podcast growling, mean and angry, hear that local shouting, it's Daynerin, Dave Ninimitz, it's Daynerin, Dave Ninimitz. I welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast, Brown Pollyner Jr. and Dave Ninimitz of The Athletic are excited to be with you on our first off-season edition of the podcast, although it feels kind of, it kind of feels the same, Dave, because like, it's just as much to dive into, there's yeah. just as much to talk about, if not more. Um, it's just, it's kind of just like a fresh start. So I hate when people are, what do you do in the off season? What are you gonna do in the off season? I'm like, uh, this is called my busy season start. Like there's a case to to be made from the final game until I don't know what, after OTAs maybe that it's busier than any other time of year. Don't, don't, you're like, don't, I don't want to have to bring this up here, but uh, we have pretty high expectations for your output to continue, even though you're burnt to a crisp. The best is the, uh, the the rush for everybody to use all their vacation in a two month span, yeah, because it's like the one window you can actually go anywhere. We're like that scene in uh, what's the Brad Pitt zombie movie where all the zombies are climbing up the wall? Yeah, you know me, big Brad Pitt zombie oh, movie guy. Come on, God, I gotta back that up to more of an eighty zombie movie, don't I? <laughs> it doesn't have to involve zombies. World War Z. You've never seen World War Z? No. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a zombie movie guy. I didn't even watch the zombie. I watch. I didn't really watch the zombie show. What was the zombie show everyone loved? Oh, Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah I didn't get into that. Really but Zombie Land. Have you seen Zombie Land? No. Why is that to be oh, a whole land watch, of them? Go watch Zombie Land. That's at least funny. Dave, we've got a lot to get to in this <laughs> podcast. We can't spend right. the whole time talking about the cinematic history Maybe. of zombies. Is it worse than Aliens? I don't know. We'll get to that too. Don't worry. There's big news <laughs> All there. Right. All right, Mo. Mo will join yeah. us, uh, and we'll talk about more than just the the Miami Mall incident. Uh, but we've got plenty, plenty to talk about there. But what I want to do here, yeah, is look. We're we're coming off of Monday where Joe Burrow spoke. He had many interesting things to say. Uh, we had locker room clean out. We talked to a number of the really we pretty much touch base with all of the pending free agents out except really T Higgins over the last week and a half. And there's a there, you know, so we, we've got, we've got a good feel now uh, for all of that. Um, we're, we're, I think we can take a snapshot of the off season today. We've got plenty of time for deeper dives into specific topics that I think that we can, we'll do as we get going. But I think what I want to do is try to touch on everything um, for now. And then, and then we can take specific topics and, and dissect them a little deeper, but I've got, a, I feel like, I feel like I have a pretty good feel uh, for, for where things are probably going to go. And, and, and so let's, I think we just go, we go through it, right? We, we just go chronologically. Through the, do we, we like chronological here. Yeah, you're you're pro, pro chronological. I mean, it's better than alphabetical. Although that's coming, I they, I'm glad you <laughs> said that because I have my uh, one thought on all sixty. When it being sixty one yeah. players to play at least one game with the Bengals this year, and I decided to go alphabetical this year. All right, 
I went oh, alphabetical. So look forward oh, to that coming your exciting. way. So got that that as well. Cause because every time I I I love doing that because so many times those of you listen or, or read or whatever, or I see people out. What do you think about this guy? And I love I, I here's my answer to all of you. My yeah. one thought, my one thing that pops into my head on each one of those guys. So that's coming your way as well. This week I have a story up from the game on Tyler Boyd and sort of his impact on this team as they look forward potentially to being without him. Um, and then a story up on what Joe Burrow said about T. Higgins yesterday. Let's start there. Um, Joe Burrow speaks. Good to see you. Hello, Joe. Um he says health-wise, I know that's what most people are concerned about. Um, he The expectation is that he's throwing by OTAs um, and good to go there. Um, you know, it, but it's, it's still a long ways out. You know, he's not able to like grip or do any lifting. He's doing all his workout stuff is is a lot of lower body and then ways to work around upper body stuff. So you're not, you know, you're he's not out there doing this doing uh you know what do you want to be vice grips right and that's what yeah. we need I, we were joking around with some of the the content people with Bengals who are like are they gonna have some sort of slow motion of burrow on vice <laughs> grips for like 20 minutes you know because it's different when you're doing an acl rehab or yeah. when you're doing one of these other like it's you know when he's he's running in the in the pool or he's doing all this <laughs> stuff like that stuff is visually appealing but like just like working a wrist tendon <laughs> isn't quite as engaging uh but so, so the good the new the kind of the newsy part of that is i think there is an expectation that he'll be throwing in some capacity or hopefully full go during the offseason program and then certainly and just kind of taking that out where you know full go fully prepared to they hope rock a healthy training camp next year without any issue. Yeah. I and mean, it would seem as opposed to the calf or knee or anything like that. Like once he's thrown the ball a few times, we're going to know it, it, it's going to look good or not. I would think it's not going to be like uh, watching a, uh, watching a calf that has to build back up and you never know when it should, but who knows injuries are injuries. Who knows is right. I mean, yeah. you know, it's like, I, I don't know. I I don't know. Is there going to be concern that all of a sudden on like June 10th on his 14th throw, it's like pop again. Sorry. I'm sorry. Fans. Well, I, I know you're, well, you're like, you're, you're sitting here the month. You're going to have to watch the, every other team in the North play in the playoffs. And I'm here talking about wrist popping. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be optimistic about it, but I was shot. That was winced at for those who can't yeah, see the video. I, I, yeah, I'm sorry. I now will wince. the, will the thumb hype video make you feel better once that's out? Like <laughs> Just go, him giving got, the thumbs up like, over and over again. Thumb wrestling, maybe yeah. the, like, uh, maybe over the top theme song. There's an eighties movie for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who who would Burrow have to arm wrestle in this? Uh, Jake Browning? Well, it'd be thumb wrestling. It'd be the. Yeah. The thumb, I know thumb wrestling. <laughs> I want to see like a, I want to see a full arm wrestling as well. Mm -hmm. Get the full wrist. Because no, you, you know, because if you watched over the top, Dave, you know, the key is turning the wrist. <laughs> Boom. That's what it is. Oh, I know. Bam. I brought it up. I know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe the hype video will make you feel more that's what i want that's what i yeah. want i want uh joe mixon versus joe burrow in a <laughs> arm wrestling contest for the right for burrow to come back uh all right so there's that um i'm gonna get to the t comments in a second again i have a story up on that and what that means and we're going to talk about that in a minute um 
but I want to just tick through a few other things that are that are kind of going on before we go through um, what that means. Um, coaching staff from Zach Taylor intact is the expectation, barring obviously promotions. So Brian Callahan already is on the interview list for the Carolina job. I think there's an expectation that um, he'll probably have another interview, maybe to keep an eye on Washington there, potentially whenever that thing gets, gets, gets cooking. Oh, you know, there's everything is pushed back a couple of weeks right now. Uh, they're not allowing any inter- interviews, um, in any in person or anything like that until you get, uh, two weeks later. Cause they're just, everything's going to be a little slower. A lot of these jobs that are open are both GM and head coach. Those GMs can interview. So you're seeing a lot of the GM searches start to move faster and potentially they would hit those and then move on to the head coaches. There's still a lot of balls that need to be dropped, uh, <laughs> where you're talking about Mike Vrabel still out there, Bill Belichick, what's going to happen with these guys. I mean, so you got these what five jobs open now, and so we'll, we'll there's still plenty of time for that to percolate and the dominoes to fall. But you know, the I think the big part of that from a Bengals perspective is an expectation that you know they they would love the, the idea that they're going to retain this entire staff, um, outside of filling in if people get jobs. On that note, Dan Pitcher, I, I still think is most likely, I mentioned this on the walkout to potentially get a gig. You know, he deserves to be an OC. If Brian Callahan were to get a head coaching job, Dan Pitcher would be the offensive coordinator in Cincinnati tomorrow. I think that that line has sort of been in place and was part of his return last year when he could have potentially gone to Tampa Bay. Um, is that look, bring Dan Pitcher back here maybe next year he steps into the oc role here but either way you know it's time for him to be an oc somewhere he he deserves that and is ready for it but it's a matter of getting that gig if not he comes back and he stays here uh uh, another year who knows maybe they could remarkably bring their entire staff back for year six let me ask you because we've talked about that i mean we talked about it each year and it kind of builds momentum this continuity is an advantage they have do you think there's any advantage to mixing it up some and having somebody, I'm not saying run the staff out or change coordinators, but is it worth having some new voices and new people on that staff? Or is it, do you think it's better to just keep going if you can get everybody back? I, I think that they could use a couple new voices maybe, but not in the major, I don't know how much it matters, but not in the major, not in major positions. I don't think, I mean, if you're talking about, you know, a a few extra people in a positional room or whatever, um, I I don't know. I think they've done a pretty good job of communicating, of motivating. I mean, this was a team that I thought had the fight in them to the end. And Mm -hmm. I know, and I know fans kind of, you know, don't really care about that sometimes. Um, but I think with this team, <laughs> that was kind of the judgment factor when they didn't have Burrow. And so I, I, I feel like that that aspect of it is in a good place. And you feel like you have people there who are connecting to their rooms. I, I wouldn't want to mix it up too much. I, I don't mind new voices and new yeah. energy. And I think they do need to find some freshness. And Zach Taylor admitted that yesterday, like he needs to find ways to freshen things up a little bit because he has been here now. I mean, you're, you're talking about, a, you know, a lot of the same messages for some of these people and he needs to cultivate leadership. Uh, he needs to keep it fresh for some of the people that have been here. And I think that that could potentially be a way with a few new voices. 
Yeah. I mean, the alternative to that is turnover with your players. So new guys hear the old message, but um, I just think it's interesting that it's something we've, we've talked about a lot. And I think you can certainly point to the advantages of having that continuity, but um, I think a, a case can be made for some new blood being in there in some capacity and, and kind of shaking it up some. Yep. Um, so the next order of business, whenever everything falls or doesn't fall uh, with the coaching staff and that all will happen over the next month and over this next month, the Bengals staff will take some vacations obviously, and, and really kind of dive in to the next step of, of this off season. And, and what, how are they going to reform this roster? How, they have a lot of holes. They, they have their own guys. Okay. So let's start there. Um, we, we've, we've talked through some of these. Um, I, I'm going to just, we're going to talk about the big six here um, as I'm calling that. Cause you know what? I love church festivals and <laughs> I love big six and who doesn't love the sound. Like I, I, if, if I had more time or, you know, like a producer or something, I'd be like, all right, spin me the big six wheel <laughs> sound. Right. I need it. And uh, we'd spin and land on one, and I'd give my opinion. So unless unless you were like the guy from Police Academy who can do all the sounds, Hightower, mm-hmm. is that his name? Uh, Whatever his name uh, was, that guy. Are you that guy? Can you? Can no, you I'm more like sound? Tackleberry. I'm more like Tackleberry. I'm <laughs> Ofish. Uh, Hightower. That was uh, that was Too Tall Jones, wasn't it? Uh, the, that guy, though, you know who I'm talking. I about. know that Michael Winslow. Yeah. Come on, come on, Police Academy yeah. fans! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the three of you that listen to this podcast, uh, I'm not big six, yeah. big six sound. You know, that's terrible. See, I can't do it. That was pretty good. Uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, all right, it lands on T Higgins because, of course, it has to. This is this is uh, uh, the main topic of yesterday. Joe Burrow, I expect T. Higgins back. Plain as day. Yeah. Plain as could be said. And it was sort of the point of my column that I wrote yesterday and just sort of, you know, the conversations you have about that type of stuff are this is not, you know, no offense, Travion Williams. This is not Travion Williams talking about I I mean I think T's going to be back right this is yeah. Joe Burrow in every conversation when moves need to be made he gets a call he's in the office he's structuring his contract to make these things work he is at, it it's the equivalent of Duke Tobin saying this as far as I'm concerned I expect T Higgins back now pointed out this is him him speaking, but he said all of us have the expectation that T. Higgins is going to be back. That one, you know, he even said offseason's crazy, like free agency's crazy. You never know exactly what's going to happen. But the Bengals hold the card that matters here. Like yeah. it, if 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 Joe Burrow's expectation and this front office's expectation, if Burrow's speaking kind of on the idea of this is how the front office feels. This is what's going to happen. Well, they have the card to play. Okay. The franchise tag is there one year, 21, some change. And it's a big number, but I mean, that's who they are. That's who the Bengals are. Are the Bengals anything other than Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T Higgins? That's who they are as a team. So one year franchise tag, T Higgins back. And, 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 
that's sort of how I took what Joe Burrow said yesterday is that we're all under the expectation that he's going to be here because he's going to be on the franchise tag or he's going to sign a long-term deal. The end. And then they'd have the tag and trade option too. So if they tag him, it seems like it keeps the options open a little bit more for him. That's correct. Yeah. So that is the other part of this, but to me, the the part of the part of what Joe said kind of wiped a lot of tag and trade off the table. Yeah. And said, no, like not interested in tag and trade. And because and one, you're the tag and the trade situation. And again, we're not going full deep into this, but like you're talking about a guy who has who had some injury stuff is now multiple. He's he's got this. You're still not getting full seasons out of T. Higgins. He's he's battled a lot of injuries, and so you're trying to find value. What are you going to get for somebody who has to give up something and pay T. Higgins what he wants, which we know is a lot. I mean, right. the Bengals offered him last year and a nice offer, and he didn't want it. Um, well, his camp was uninterested. We've kind of gone down this road, so. So you got to be willing to pay whatever their their asking price is, which is obviously very high, and give up something for a guy who is great but does have some injury history for multiple yeah. years. It what it you know the devaluing of what you can get back because of those circumstances happens. Okay, so yeah. and Joe Burrow saying I expect T Higgins back. I, I, not I expect uh, rec of uh, requisite value via trade. <laughs> <It'd> be amazing <laughs> and, if he said that. And and run that damn thing back with yeah. these three guys, which we never really got to see for but 121 snaps this whole season. 121 yeah. snaps, by the way, that would have made them the number one offense in football during the snaps. <laughs> Side note. Uh, so so to me, I I, I thought I think I. I hesitate to say anything definitively. I feel like Joe Burrow up there right now. Yes, yeah. we'll see. Crazy things happen. But I now, too, because of Joe Burrow, fully expect franchise tag on T. Higgins or long-term deal agreed to before they place that on. Well, and Period. as you pointed out, you pointed out in the story, this is this is also a matter of the weight, the weight that Burrow has with the team and that he's very calculated in what he says and does. He's not a guy up there just shooting from the hip, just saying whatever. So if he said that, he's thought about it. Um, yes. I guess my question to you, and I, it's hard to say because I, I don't know what conversations you've had with T, but does T strike you as a guy that would be okay playing on that franchise deal? So many guys yeah. now don't really want that. Does it feel like he'd be up for one more run at it and then see how things go beyond that? I have an answer for you. It is. 21 freaking million dollars <laughs> bro yeah. think about that i mean look say what you want i i it, it, we've watched this this is yeah. jesse bates part two right yeah. maybe maybe he doesn't take part in the offseason program maybe he sits out half a training camp again maybe he showed up the exact same day in august that jesse bates did and jesse bates has a great year and then gets the bank and a pro bowl is somewhere else maybe that's what happened but we've seen this show and it seems to be going down that path again unless t says you know what i, I don't want to take that risk that yeah. Jesse took and I'll go ahead and sign whatever the best offer the Bengals come up with right before the tag deadline, which is March 5th 
I believe, um, this year to to watch on that. So anyway, I, I think to me, I think we got we have a lot of clarity on that right now. Yeah. That I I expect T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Joe Burrow and run it back next year, uh, whatever those contracts look like. Burrow on a $29 million cap number next year. His extension doesn't hit until 25. You're still playing out that this is now the fifth-year option. And so 29, you know, I'm not great at math, but plus 21, 50 million. You're kind of paying for T and Burrow this year what you could have paid for Burrow. When he talked about – Yesterday, we had these what levers, whatever he called it, in place yeah. if needed. That is, okay, push Burrow back. Don't start the extension until 25. Play the $29 million cap number. So 29 plus a T tag equals about what you could have paid Burrow in 2024. Yeah. Um, again, that's a very rough – there's obviously millions of – you know, nuances and figures and math involved in there, but on, on a broad spectrum, you can kind of look at it that way, $50 million for that. And yeah. kind of when Burrow talks about ways he could structure things, that's part of that. And him being here through 2029, part of that. Okay. Um, Jamar Chase coming down the pike, but that can be a decision for another day. Justin Jefferson played it out. I think there's an expectation that Jamar Chase probably ends up going the same way that Justin Jefferson did. And we're not talking about his extension until 2025 and things like that. So I feel like you're seeing a lot of this path start to play itself out. It still has to, but I think we got a really good view on, on where the Bengals stand on this whole thing. Now Um, that's, that's the T snapshot. You want to spin the wheel again? I don't want to make the sound. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here comes the bad sound. That's good. That's strong. And it lands on Joe Mixon. I'm counting him in the big six, even though he's under contract for next year. But he's under contract as an $8.5 million cap number. The Bengals would save 5.8 mil. Um if they let him go, they would take on 2.8 in dead money, which is more of a manageable figure than last year's was. 8.5 on the cap for Joe Mixon. That's a big number. They need more explosion in their in their running game. Everybody knows it. They've been obvious about that. Joe Mixon was, for all his touches this year, his yards over expectation uh, via next gen, six. Yeah. That's just a guy, right? That's that's who he is. And that's fine. Like he's that's who he is. And even if he's back next year, you know, I think you're seeing him in a in more of a 50-50 role with Chase Brown and whatever else shows up in that room. Um and they still need a third down back. So there's a lot to be said there. But I I just don't know how you're going to dedicate that type of a figure to to somebody who was fine. You know, and and now there's a lot at play there. I mean, there's a reason he's still even he was here this year. There's a reason uh, that they left it open for him to come back. And there's probably people in that building that are going to point to his his overall numbers that aren't looking at as intricately as, you know, we talk about, you know, explosive runs and missed tackles forced and some of the other stuff, the things that better fit maybe where their offense needs to go. Um, I think there's going to be. The same discussions. We're right back where we started, except this year there's something different, Dave. That's great for all of us. God bless it. 
great for all of us. And that is there is a roster bonus trigger in Joe Mixon's 2024 in on the fourth day of the league year. So we don't have to do this through the entire offseason. As much <laughs> as I'd love to continue to litigate the Joe Mixon decision through all of the summer months, we sh- we will not have to do that this year because you make your decision by that point. You're either he's here, you you there's the roster bonus, you want him on your roster or you move on. I'm and you know that's something that Mixon's camp I'm sure had interest in not dragging out and the Bengals I'm sure had interest in not dragging out. So we will know early, but you know, I I think I think what they should do is obvious, but with most things that have involved Joe Mixon here, it is not that easy. It is complicated. Um and so I, I where, where that falls, I think um tough to say right now all right let's let's take this minute here because we want to bring in mo egger my friend and yours from espn 1530 uh, mo how are you doing I am, i'm well i i was just i was just reading a uh, a tweet here from pittsburgh where they're encouraging people to not order chicken wings this weekend because they're playing the bills <laughs> yeah that'll that'll show them that'll show them yep way to go Love it. Um, so right now, what I'm kind of doing is we're we're kind of just ticking through the offseason a little bit. And currently in the the first stage of potential free agents, discuss T. Higgins um and and Joe Mixon uh amongst sort of the, the mm-hmm. big six of potential players um that could move on with with I think the writing on the wall <laughs> with what happened yesterday that T Higgins is at at the very, very least going to get a franchise tag with the expectation of him being back next year. Um, Cause I believe everything Joe Burrow tells me and, and, but as we go through what I want to pose to you generally beyond free agents, in-house free agents, people they could go out and get draft approach, anything over the course of this off season that is in front of the Bengals right now, what is one move you want them to do? One, and let's call it an aggressive move, whether whatever that is, uh, mm. investing in your own, uh, investing in picks, uh, in getting heavy in free agency at a spot, addressing a position that maybe they have. What one aggressive move that you would like to see this team do over the course of the season? Uh, huh. So I've been so fixated on what's going to happen at right tackle. Yeah. That that's where my mind goes first, but like what's aggressive there. It's, it's figuring out mathematically how to get Jonah Williams here long-term. It's not go find a player who's more expensive. It's is aggressive. Take a guy with the 18th pick and start him at right tackle week one. But I think that's the most interesting area of the team. And then if yesterday was, you know, a clear sign that T Higgins is going to be back with the Bengals next year, likely under a franchise tag. Okay. That's out the window for Jonah. So what are you going to do there? Yeah. You're going to trust one of these dudes that's already on the team right now that didn't play this season. Like what, what are you doing at this position where for years, all I've heard is how to protect Joe, got to keep Joe upright. Are you going to find a player who's better than Jonah Williams? At the same time, are you really going to make a case that you should pay Jonah Williams high-end money to be right tackle? So 
I, I guess the first thing that I would wonder is like, what does aggressive there look like in yeah. within within the parameters of of what's most uh, uh, realistic? What is what does that look like? Um, I would like to see a difference maker acquired on defense. Yep, a difference maker. Yep. Now Trey Hendrickson's a difference maker. He's right now the only one. So arguably the best two free agency signings the Bengals maybe have ever made. Trey Hendrickson, DJ Reader. Who's the next version of DJ Reader? How do you acquire him? What does it cost? And if you don't acquire him, how's the defense going to be markedly better next year? So aggressive isn't now, look, the success of the defense next year mainly hinges on the younger guys getting better after Dax Hill played over a thousand snaps is the light bulb going to come on? Uh, is it going to stay on for Cam Taylor Britt? Is it going to stay on all season for Jordan battle and, and DJ Turner? Um, do the, the linebackers they invested in play better? Does miles Murphy flash more this coming season, but like that defensive tackle spot, I think the frustrating thing, if you go back and sort of relitigate the offseason, there's so many things that we thought were quite obvious that they needed to address. They didn't, and they came back to, to bite this team. They didn't have a dynamic tight end. The running game was stuck in the mud. These are things we talked about a year ago, and they popped up over the course of the season, but we, we talked about defensive tackle. So I want to know who the next version of DJ Reader is. Now, some are going to say, well, it could be DJ Reader, and that's possible, I guess. We sure he's going to be healthy week one, <laughs> right? I mean, no, dude suffered unfortunately not. a catastrophic injury, so th that can't be the answer. Um, I, I, I just, I can't. You have a hard time convincing me that well, we're just going to run it back and and you know these guys who were have been here, they're going to move into larger roles and be better, and it's going to improve the pass rush and it's going to improve the run defense. However, it looks. If we're talking about like a big, aggressive, bold move, if I had my way, it'd be do something bold up front on the defensive line because the last time they did it, it worked. Yes. With DJ Reed. I that's that's to me where I start is I say, okay. Now this happened last year with with Orlando Brown. Nobody saw Orlando Brown coming, including the Cincinnati Bengals. Um but they saw an opportunity to make a big splash at a position that they should always be investing in, and they did. And they found a way to make it work, and they ended up, unbelievably, with a line that started every single game at all five positions. And for all the frustration and, and lamenting about that group over the course of time here in Cincinnati was the best season of offensive line play that we've seen here in a long time and, mm -hmm. and, and turned out that way. I think I am I you have to be considering an Orlando Brown style splash at defensive tackle either one yeah. at three technique at defensive tackle and and if if that's the aggressive move that's where I'm going and, and honestly yeah. like I'm not afraid I, I I look at getting involved in a guy like Justin Matabike from uh Baltimore steal from your rival yeah right from the heart yes of your AFC North rival in the who, who had an absolute breakout year, he's at 26 years old. You're not paying an older Chris Jones and worrying about 
you know, paying more for aging years, even though he is ridiculous and you would love to steal from the Chiefs. And that's it's it's probably more of a pipe dream there. It, who knows? I, I, I count out nothing after last year, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying that to me, if I'm looking at the aggressive, the, the most aggressive move and, and he, you know, he may be out of their price range and Brad Spielberger has him at 23 million per year for four years. And boy, that sounds like a lot of money, but you know what? Paying DJ reader 13 million per year back in 2020 sounded like a lot of money too, for what they did. And it paid off big time. I'm with you. That's where I would start. If I'm making one big aggressive play, that's mm-hmm. what I would let's I think you could make an argument that that would be worth it over spreading out, you know, a bunch of mid-tier guys. And and I'm and I'm I'm fine with that philosophy too. But if we're talking about aggressive play, there's a few out there. Matabike, Christian Wilkins, Leonard Williams. Um y- you name any of those, any of those guys, and obviously Chris Jones too, but there's four <laughs> real dudes and they and they and maybe none of them are available. Maybe they all get mm-hmm. franchise tagged. I don't know, but I'm interested in that. And then mm-hmm. I would still use a draft pick on some sort of a defensive tackle in one of the first two days of that draft and just try to fill in the interior pass rush and get that thing right. We we just had nearly a decade of Geno Atkins playing at a possible Hall of Fame caliber level and we yeah. just had DJ Reader play to a level that many of us considered him at times the second most important player on teams that won the division. So understanding that I know we fall in love with talking about the offense and the way the game is played, you know, the top 10 teams in the NFL and offense this year, are all in the playoffs. Look, offensively, if Joe Burrow plays 17 games, they're going to be, they're going to have a playoff caliber offense. Now, maybe it's different if you don't have T, you certainly have to figure out the run game. We have to stop talking about plug and play tight ends. Like it's it's not an area of the team that I want to ignore, but everything revolves around Joe playing 17 games healthy next season. If he does that, okay. Is that defense going to be a championship caliber level unit without significantly addressing this major weakness up front on the D line? The answer is not yes, in my opinion, at least. The answer is not yes. And so I want to be bold there. I want to find the next. DJ reader um, who they thought so much of that they overpaid. Now they're probably no longer in a position where they could overpay, you know, back then somebody had to make the money. So why not this dude from the Houston Texans? But uh, again, for, for two years, many of us regarded him as perhaps the second most valuable player on this team. Who's that guy moving forward? Chances are it's not coming from within it's not coming from the bargain bin. It's not coming from Saturday of the draft. It's it's coming by by doing something bold and aggressive. Yes, um, there it, in a conversation that I sort of had in the building yesterday was this line stood out to me. It was that they don't <clears throat> the Bengals don't look like a lot of the teams they play. Like, yeah. The, you know, especially in this division, and that's not to get into the like trench warfare conversation, but <laughs> I mean, a lot of these, these teams, you watch the Bengals and, and you, a lot of people probably saw this chart. I know I retweeted it and it circulated of the Bengals playing the toughest schedule in football last year, specifically the defenses they played as a whole were like 
almost off the chart better than anybody else saw consistently. The Bengals saw these ridiculous pass rushers over and over and over again, including all the premier guys, Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, mm-hmm. TJ Watt, Miles Garrett. Every week was another dude where you're like, golly. And the Bengals have Trey Hendrickson, and that's great. They had Trey Hendrickson. And, and yeah. you know what? They These other teams had those guys and waves. And, and it feels like they just they, – they need to look more like the teams they play, particularly on the defensive front, and it starts on that interior spot when you're talking about now extracting DJ Reader as he was known here. Yeah, and the, the, the Hendrickson thing, this is no knock on him by any stretch because he's been marvelous since he got here. He had a great year this season, a great year. The defensive line is still a weakness. Yeah. Which is crazy. So that's no knock on Trey by any stretch. He had a terrific season statistically and and just. You need more. You need more than one guy. It wasn't enough. If if that, if that doesn't illustrate how, how much of a, a weakness they have developed up front. I don't know what to tell you. And. You know, again, I think everybody who cares about the Bengals or covers the Bengals or watches the Bengals, they understand, like, all right, yeah, they got to get better up front. But for for all the conversations we're going to have about Jonah, about tight end, about Mixon, about T, about the, the wide receiver position, about Jake Browning, about the secondary, item number one for me is if, if I'm going overboard to fix something, it's that. Yes, because I don't think you're winning a Super Bowl next season, which is the goal. I don't think you're winning a Super Bowl next season unless you get that fixed with with somebody who can make a difference. Yeah, and and you know what? If you go over the top and it ends up being a three technique, let's just use Matabike for example, since I referenced him earlier. You know, okay, well maybe maybe you you could save seven and a half mm-hmm. million on the cap uh, with uh, letting go of BJ Hill. And, mm-hmm. and and you're upgrading there and you can backfill with the draft and another couple of pieces or a, or a lower level guy, or maybe you're even bring, bringing BJ Hill back at a lower number or whatever. Like, you know, the thing is like, there's ways to then put yourself over the top in certain conversations if you're trying to be over aggressive and if you really want to have more. And I'm not saying that, that would, they would even need to do that or how, what that would look like. But again, you can start to think outside of the box a little bit more at at that spot. Is there something that you think people are talking too much about that you would push down the priority list? Or is it like, it's hard to do and it won't be long until I'll have the mock offseason chart out to keep everybody in check that says just pay everybody <laughs> all the monies uh, and realize that you have to take away from one slice for the other. But is there something that as you think more about it, you push a little further down the priority list in your mind? Well, it's it's not something that gets moved down the priority list. It's it's almost a non-starter for me. And the, the conversations have quieted since they lost a couple of the games. But the what to do with Jake Browning thing for me is quite simple. Yeah, he's, he's the backup quarterback. He's great. And great backup quarterback. Great. Awesome. Confidence. By the way, I believe what he said uh on Sunday where he goes, I think I'm I'm one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. I believe that. Yeah. Now he, he might be it 30. might be 31. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but hey, that's something. So next year, at the most important position, I have two of the best 32 guys. Yes. Like, I, you know, I, I just, I, I feel like when he was peaking, 
you know, the three game stretch where he played so well and made magic against Minnesota. Now we got to overthink this. Let's not overthink this. Extend, you know, make the offer, whatever that looks like. Right. He's the backup quarterback. I I have a hard time believing somebody's going to overwhelm them with a huge haul of picks for Jake Browning. I value depth at the most important position in all of sports. This is a non-starter. It's a non-topic for me. Um, he, and know, so, he is a winning team's backup quarterback. Yeah. Okay. Like he, it, it, in a, in a position where they might have the most solid quarterback room in the league when you take the the combination of an elite starter and amongst backups, one of the most comfortable backup situations in the entire league. Cause what do you want? A guy that can go out and win games for a month. And guess what? He proved yeah. he can get you to 500 or better over the course of a month. They know ways who, to win with him. Who might still be ascending, right? Yes, like, absolutely. absolutely. Your, your tip, your typical backup quarterback is either somebody who's coming down the ladder who used to be good, right? Who used to be a starter and now nobody really views him that way. Primary example right now is Andy Dalton, guy who was terrific, won a lot of games, but you know he's he's coming down the ladder. Know what you okay? got? Or or a dude who's just biding his time until he's the starting quarterback. And there's there's less and less of that around the league because these guys start almost instantly. But right there in the middle, you have a guy who gained valuable experience, played well, is still ascending, and costs nothing. And knows yeah. your stuff. Knows it's been. We'll be in your system now next year for a fourth year. Like, are you kidding me? Yes. So, I, that talk has quieted. But when we start to, okay, what has to get done? The the easiest one, the easiest decision they have is, Jake. Here's the deal. Want to play in the NFL next year? Sign it. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> see you <it> okay. Yep. <laughs> no question. And, and, and it's it's maybe. You know, it's one of the best developments to come out of this entire season was that they are solidified and solid at the most important position in sports, um, you know, assuming that health and recovery from Burrow continues and then you have Browning behind him and you feel really good there in in a year that everybody said. The year of the backup quarterback, right? Everyone's gonna gonna now gonna value people. Gonna, they're gonna get drafted higher. They're gonna get paid more. And to be able to sit there and say you have thirty million in cap to have the best quarterback room that you could possibly have probably uh, in terms of starter and backup is, is just a great place to be in and doesn't need to be touched. And you can focus on, on everything else right now. And that's a, that's a great thing. Um, I got to ask, there's two, there's two things I had, uh, you know, we get these listeners that have been sending in their funny growler bets and things like that. And we had a thing <laughs> called uh, the Dave Allen compromise that happened a few weeks ago where a number of people all guessed 69 because my listenership is predictable and uh, <laughs> it ended up being the answer. And turns out uh, somebody who didn't exactly get it right, but had 69.69 for an answer and another answer I ended up getting his name was Dave Allen. It, he, he sort of sent an email to me and was pointing out, you know, uh, his apologies to those that uh, were part of that and didn't get to win the free beer. And he'd love to share it with them. And at the end he mentioned, uh, that Mo has built a cat condominium for one of. For, if you build a cat condominium, a what? Um, a, <laughs> I was very confused by this. Okay, and I wanted to just bring it up with you. He says Mo built a cat condo for a neighborhood feline, and unless 
he's confused or I'm confused. I was really hoping it was you. And in your side job, your one of your side hustles is you built build condos for cats. I would love to take credit for this. <laughs> I have no remote idea what this person is is talking about. Okay, good. Uh, I'm happy. I'm happy about that now. I'm interested in seeing a photo of the cat condo. Yeah. I want to know what that looks like. Yes. As a former owner of cats, don't they kind of just build their own? <laughs> right? They or just go wherever. The moment you build them something, they want nothing to do with it. Correct. My, Except to stare at it and then stare at you sarcastically like, nice. My first wife had two cats, which became my cats. And then when the marriage ended, they ceased being my cats. One day, I got a pair of dress shoes. And the box became the one cat's, like, go-to. And he had the box. Like, we we couldn't get rid of it. Like, well, he every every day I'd come home, he'd be laying in this shoebox. Well, that's all a cat needs. doesn't need a cat condo. So uh, cats just sort of find a place they like and we're good. So, uh, no, I, I've not built any uh any cat condos that's that's not something that i've i've done but i'm i'm curious as to what this look like is, is that the kind of thing you farm out to somebody it's hard to know yeah i would i like to think that there's a there's a whole industry uh i mean i i guarantee you if people are listening to this and google cat condo right now i bet you they find something and they're on amazon and they might buy one i think i think i think it's built well, i like the idea build your own you know, go on Etsy, right? And someone's yep. <laughs> building you their own unique, customized cat condo just for your house and cat. I like it. Yeah, I just, I'm trying to imagine myself like in the wood shop, banging away and coming to this guy's house with his cat condo. So no, that was was not me, but uh, I hope the cats are enjoying the condo, whoever built. Okay, let's, let's more important news. Let's look yes. beyond cat condos. The Miami Mall aliens, Mo. Mm-hmm. Okay, so did you did you read up? Did you catch up on the story? So I, I did. In in at a at a mall in Miami, about a million police show up to the Miami Mall, mm-hmm. and nobody seems to know what it is. But in some very grainy video from atop a sky rise, it looked like there might have been a shadowy, very tall alien creature, and some people none of which I've seen directly report, you know, quoted anywhere, were, cl- were claiming to have said they saw aliens. And that is why all these police arrived. And we are all having the wool pulled over our eyes. The police claim that it was crowd control due to juveniles refusing to leave and setting off fireworks in the area that made them think there was a shooting going on. What happened? Are you believing that the Miami police force is trying to hide this from us. Did you see the alien creature? Are you are you a believe which side of the fence are you on in the Miami Mall alien fiasco? Okay. If the aliens were at the mall, first of all, you're in Miami. And the first place you're gonna go is a mall. They don't know better. Right? They're trying to learn about American culture, Mo. Secondly, how did they get there? And did nobody see them in route? Like, I don't, I don't know if extraterrestrials exist. I don't know. What I do know is 
Well, what I what I can say, what I, what I can say pretty emphatically is, if aliens do arrive as soon as they do, we're going to notice them, right? I feel like we would notice them. We're going to notice their entry into the atmosphere. We're going to notice their craft landing. We're going to see them. They're they're not going to be given free reign like fugitives to just show up at a place and suddenly we see them. So these aliens just arrived at a mall. Nobody saw them get there. Nobody saw them arrive in Miami. Nobody saw them park their craft. Nobody saw them in the parking lot or using public transportation. They just showed up at a mall. This I, lo- I love the idea of an alien riding the subway and no one talking about it on the word out to the mall to go to, you know. Right. Also, uh, also, the people on the internet say, hey, there's aliens. Have we heard from anybody who was there at the mall with the aliens? Not as of yet. Right. So I would think like <laughs> the direct up close eyewitness would be the first person you would want to talk to. And I haven't heard from any of them. So I am skeptical about this story from Miami. I think skeptical is the proper word. I, as much mm-hmm. as I want to really embrace the grainy 12th floor video of some sort of tall, shadowy person, mm-hmm. uh, I, I want it to be true. I, I want this. I want to see these guys. I want to say hi. I want to know how they got there. I want to know if they drove in a Ford Taurus. But like how, like <laughs> I, I want to know. But Grant, as much run as this got, I think it's it's not it's not as valid as the little creepy guy from the what the Mexican or Peruvian uh, Congress. Situation. Yeah, I'm more on board with do, that than I am this. Do you? This has nothing to do with aliens, but I think if there is an award for people who were irrationally calm in the face of impending doom. <laughs> the people on that Alaska Airlines airplane where the panel blew off and the the video, it, people are just sitting there hanging out. All right. And, guess, you know, guess, guess the door's gone. Watching, watching or streaming. Does this, does this stop our, does this stop our in-flight movie? I'm trying to watch Blackberry. I, <laughs> I, I cannot imagine. I mean, I, I cannot imagine if I'm on the, for, for, we can laugh about it because fortunately everybody's okay. Yes. I cannot imagine you're on an airplane and a panel blows off and I just start looking for the, the beverage cart. Oh, yeah. You think I can get up and go to the bathroom? Like, what? You talk about the most calm individuals ever. Every video, every still photo I've seen of this, people are just kind of going, going about their business. Incredible. Incredible. Because I would be losing my damn mind. <laughs> yeah, there, you're not. I'm not enhancing my calm if that happens. There's, there's no way I'm doing anything other than just running, just running, even just up and down the aisle for yes. no reason. Yeah, you, you, uh, you're correct. By the way, what I do love about this is, have you ever, when you booked a flight, ever looked at the actual name of the aircraft that you're selecting? Have you before this? Not anymore. Well, not to this point, but now. Yeah. Every single time I ever book an aircraft from this point forward, that's not one of the Max Nines, is it? I don't want to get on. Yeah. If that says it's that seven thirty seven Max Nine, not happen anymore. And then they're just finding more evidence of all these other Max Nines just have like loose bolts and stuff. And then, and when they found that out on some of them. They decided, uh, we're not going to stop using them. We're just not going to fly it over the ocean. 
We're just yeah. going to keep it over land so when the door flies off, we can just go land it quickly. That can't be the decision. I mean, <laughs> here's here's a quote from the story. His shirt got sucked off his body when the panel blew out because of the pressure. And yet, like there's a, a couple, they're like posing, they're doing selfies with their masks on. Yeah. The guy with no shirt on is just looking at his phone. These are the calmest individuals ever. I love the Incredible. idea of like the guy with no shirt on just sitting there still watching an episode of Friends. Your shirt just got sh- your shirt just got sucked off of you, and you're like, eh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> oh, finish man. up this finish up this episode of Modern Family. I'm yeah, like, thank you. What, what are we doing? Incredible. Thank you for bringing this up. Thank you for bringing this up. I'm glad we touched on it. All right, that was a good aside from all the the deep the deep intensity of the off season. But we have plenty more off season that we'll get into today. Uh, in the three o'clock hour on ESPN 1530, we get to do our first off season episode at Moreland Logger House one last time. No, we're, we're in studio. We're, in we're studio. In... Here we yeah. go. Back it was a good studio. run at the Logger House, but we return to the studio. I love it. Very excited yeah, about back, that. Back in, back in Kenwood. So we look oh. forward to seeing. You. All right. Talk to you then, Mo. All right. See you guys. Mo Egger, ESPN 1530. Uh, joining us, and I'm glad you know, Dave. You, you see, we have a shared rundown here that we go through on the podcast every week, and I have a lot on this one. And I didn't have the Alaska Airline door, and thank goodness Mo showed up to bring that in because that that has been on my mind and something that has needed to be discussed and far more important than a lot of these uh the big six wheel and and positional priority I'm about to get into. Well, I would say I I don't I wouldn't look at the plane and decide not to get on it, but I do like that exit row for the leg room and now mm. I don't think I want the exit row. I, yeah. I think I'll take the cramping at this point. Now what I do want is if this happens on a flight I'm on Whoever has stolen my overhead space by getting on the plane way too early before they're supposed to, I want their overhead stuff sucked out that door. <laughs> that would be the silver lining. Those those jerks that get up when it's, you know, the Diamond oh, yeah. Club members and you know they're in row 52 and they yes. just get up and get on and take my overhead space. If their bag goes out that door, I think it's all worth it. Excuse me, sir. Are you emerald or platinum? <laughs> Uh, Have they ever turned anyone away, though? No. They don't let anyone in. Little secret to listeners of Hear That Podcast Growling. <laughs> and uh, this is known as the uh, the morning gym move. Uh, Jim Ozarski was notorious for doing this oh, on, in the morning. Yeah. Is just no matter where, what group you're in, they just don't check. They just want no. you to get on. He would mm. just go ahead and just walk on whenever he felt like going on. like, And just mm. work his way up there. Shout out, Jim. I'm shaking with rage right now. It was now only in the he only did it in the morning because he wasn't a morning guy. <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, all right. On that note, let's get back to uh our chronological dissection here. Um now we just got into uh a little bit. I want to go through the the rest of this big six. Um, and Mo and I touched on positional priorities, but I want to kind of run down the positional priorities after that. Um beyond defensive tackle, which I think 
is a clear number one and two. But back to DJ Reader we mentioned earlier. He's he's amongst amongst this group. Spent a long time talking to him yesterday, and I I just really you know everybody that's heard him on this podcast, whether it's through interviews we've done or or read stories that we've written about him, know how respected he is and how much of a absolute pro he is. I find his market fascinating. I don't think anybody, and he admitted yesterday, himself included, has any damn clue what's going to happen or what he wants. Or he is just, he knows he's got a rehab. He's He's got a really great attitude about it. Um, He's planning on coming back and kicking ass. He says he would absolutely love to come back to Cincinnati if that was possible. But he doesn't know what it's going to look like. He doesn't know if teams are going to be uninterested in him because of his injury in March. If he'll have to wait till later. If he needs to take a one-year prove it, if he needs to just try to take multi-year wherever he could get, what, how are teams going to respond to this? Is he going to have to wait to pass a physical? He's like, you know, hard to know, man. Uh, he's going to go forward and try to get better every day and let everybody in that building know that he'd love to be here uh, if there's a way to make it work. The injury and the concept of a one-year prove it of DJ Reader, I think, does make him an interesting potential return, whereas mm-hmm. I didn't think there was much of a chance of him coming back before this because I just thought his market was going to be way too high. I know Brad Spielberger before the injury was really known seriously had him at a, a really big deal. I mean, three, four years, 50, 60 million. And he would deserve that. Now it's much different. What does that look like? Can that pigeonhole in even as a potential like PUP post PUP return, even if that were the case, I'm not saying that would be the case, but if you knew you could get one year of 11 games of DJ Reader giving you some semblance of what he gave you last year, how much is that worth? And that number might be higher than you think when you consider everything that we just talked about with the defensive tackle position. It's a, it's a wild card, but it's a factor that could pay off for you huge in the long run if if he got all the way back and and could be there and be that guy for one more year. I just think it's a big if. And he's it missed, is huge. He's he's missed a lot of time over time, too. It's it's not like this has been his only injury. I, I mean, there's no denying the dude's a game wrecker and a guy, when healthy, any team would want. But, you know, I, I think what you're laying out is probably ideal for the Bengals if they could get it at kind of this prove-it rate. And, and then you kind of get the best of him, too, because he's in an audition the rest of the time. So, um Probably not an ideal scenario for him, but I think you're right. If he had gotten out of this season totally healthy, he's probably not really even an option for him, is he? No, I don't think I, he would price himself out, and they wouldn't. Yeah. They wouldn't want to go in with a guy that far defensive tackles into their 30s. I sort of outlined yeah. this last year, but you know when they when we were talking about extension candidates. I think they would have been interested in adding one more year. They would have interested in paying him for mm-hmm. his year 30, age 30 season and think that he's got maybe one more in him. But getting beyond that gets too risky as you get older with bigger guys like that that do have an injury history. And unfortunately, a guy three games away didn't get there. Um, I'm going to bring you some Q&A type stuff uh, with Reader. 
um, and my and my next topic here, Jonah Williams. Uh, in the coming days, you can you can read more about the things that they've had to say and some of their perspective from the conversations I had with them. Um, so let's talk about Jonah Williams. Um, Jonah did and said all the right things this year. He came in. He embraced the move to right tackle. He embraced his teammates. He embraced showing off versatility. He played at a fine level. He's good and okay. And a starting left or right tackle in this league, starting level. He's not elite. He's not terrible. He's starter. And that's valuable in this league where there's not a lot you can say that about. He yeah. he created value for himself. He's a good dude. People like him. He's made of all the right stuff. He's been healthy now for three straight years. Jonah Williams is a solid player. He sort of said yesterday something that I thought was interesting when people were asking him if he was – Charlie Goldsmith brought this up to him. You know, you, you had issues obviously with people that moved you and – Signed Orlando Brown and communication was a problem. And that was very, you were vocal about that. Is that, you know, is that mended? And his point was, well, I chose to focus on so many people that I am tight with here, you know, whether it's the, the staff, the clubhouse staff, the equipment guys, my teammates, my coaches that I like. And that was his point. Like he didn't say, yeah, we're good dog. Be in the front office out hugs and hand pounds, baby. No, it was, I chose to focus on the people that I, that I want to play for and to do the right thing by them and by me and my career and not worry about that. AKA it's been fun. And, and I think from his perspective, hitting the open market, he's created the most value he can. He will have more value elsewhere where a team might want him for left or right. And he can create that. His he has value more value elsewhere than he does here. We know what his relationship has been like with the front office. He kept saying, I, "I'm I'm not I'm small picture stuff. I'm not here to think about the big picture of that right now." He didn't want to dive into that specifically, and wasn't. To me, all of that, alongside this other factor, we know what the Bengals want at offensive linemen now. They want these. Big sons of guns, okay? They want the big guys. They want Orlando Browns, right? They're giant-ass Cordell Volsons. They want these big anchors that can pass pro. Jonah is not that. He's a better fit for a more athletic group that's trying to run more wide zone and do more of that outside stuff and move more. They don't want that. Now, people are maybe saying they should want that more. They need to be more athletic. And and I'm that's a conversation you can have. They don't want that. They yeah. want big people movers that theoretically could actually move people. But you, that's neither here nor there. Those two things combined, I think, make it generally clear and what his number will be and the fact that they're going to tag T, that this is over. Yeah. That Jonah Williams is not gonna be high on their priority list and that his his next move um won't be back to Cincinnati. Yeah. 
So then that raises the question, if that's the case, do you have to fill that position through the draft? Or do right. you think they go cheaper and find a different guy? Because I don't think it's that easy to just go find the different guy cheaper because if the different guy's any good, he's going to be making a bunch of money. So does that become just a massive, massive draft need? And will they hit on it? I mean, they've struggled mm. some with, with picking an offensive <laughs> line. There's an understatement of the century. Yeah. They've struggled some picking offensive <laughs> linemen. Uh, again, we, you know, I sort of tweeted about this and I think I talked about it on the walkout, but you know, you look back at the 21 draft and, the Carmen whiff yeah. specifically yeah. and, you know, Deontay Smith or Trey Hill giving you anything, but you know, the Carmen whiff and what that would have saved you over the last couple of years is just astronomical. Um, I don't know why he's still here. I don't know what people <laughs> think they're waiting for. Yeah. Uh, I guess he's going to be hanging around that uh, whatever, but you know, they I, I think we're back where we were last year when we talked about them potentially trading Jonah or before the Orlando Brown signing of what they were going to do at right tackle. And that was a combination plate. Right. You know, I'm a big Mexican restaurant guy. <laughs> don't, I don't I don't want to sit down and have one giant quesadilla, Dave. OK, no. I want to say I want a nice combination plate. Give me a give me a, a couple bit of quesadilla, maybe a soft taco in the double rice, maybe some beans. I want a combination plate. <laughs> I want to feel like whatever, however my meal goes, I'm gonna be all right. And I've got a, I've got backup plans. If it shows up and I'm like, <laughs> I don't like the look at that chicken. I want to know that I got some beans that can fill me up. Okay. Sure. sure. The Bengals need a combination plate. Move. This is what we talked about last year. That was for them. I think there is a there is a mid level right tackle that you can find in free agency. Pick your puppy, okay? That you got that you can attack and and find whoever that is. Maybe it's a maybe you're approaching it from an Alex Kappa perspective, and and you're aggressive on day one. You pinpoint your mid level guy and you go get him. Rakaris in that same conversation, like they did there. One guy, that's the guy. Let's go after him. Come block for Joe Burrow and win a title. Give him two to three years at twenty million and make him your right tackle. Or you find or a smaller version of that with a one or two year deal maybe a little less and but you are supplementing that with maybe it is the 18th overall pick you know maybe it is maybe it's the second round pick um and at a certain point they do stink at drafting offensive linemen there's no question about that but at a certain point you have to believe that you can get it right yeah. i feel like they know what they're looking for and you can then not have the pressure on that guy to be great immediately. And maybe he is, and maybe he supplants mid-tier guy. But set your basement, set your foundation at a serviceable level at right tackle, and draft for depth immediately and a long-term starter. Maybe it's a guy who's a tackle-guard combo. Maybe it's whatever. But again, we've been I feel like we've been talking about this. Whatever you – what Jackson Carmen was supposed to be, Okay. They that should be the the approach there, that would make the most sense, and that you could see them doing. Uh, but I think the approach that we won't see is a return of Jonah Williams and an investment in that. Um, Tyler Boyd, it appears, is gone. 
Now I, I wrote about him and, you know, Charlie Clifford from, from Channel 5 had a great observation yesterday of Jamar Chase leaving with one thing in hand, and it was a Tyler Boyd jersey with a message written in it. Yeah. Um, and and you could tell that talking to TB. We knew that. We've ta- I mean, we've talked about how they need a succession plan there. Um, and and well, I'll be curious what his market is. I, I think you could see him. I think he's in the 7 to 10 range for – Two years for somebody, you know, yeah. two years, 16, three years, 20 some. I think someone's willing to go there with TB, who's been a very, very good slot receiver in a league that values them and brings the right stuff to a to a building. I think someone could go there. I don't I don't think the Bengals are certainly going to be willing to go there. The interesting part about that for me and that I want to get into is – and Chita Bay-Wuzier as well, I think you see move on yeah. somewhere else. Um, I think he's a starter in this league. I think he gets – I think someone will sign him to be a starter or a CB3 as a in a competition. And that's more than I think he'll feel like he'll get here knowing how they feel about DJ Turner and Cam Taylor-Britt. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You never and you never know. Again, for agency is wild. I didn't think Jermaine Pratt would come back either, uh, yeah. and, and he did. So things happen, but for that fact, I, that does feel like he's gone. So a big drop off. T, Mixon, Reader, all feeling the potentially back. Awuzier, Jonah, Boyd, all feel like the definitely gone's. Uh, as we draw the line there, um, and where how it looks right now as we sit here today, um, but on the slot conversation. So positional priority for me when I'm looking at that throughout this this offseason, positional priority one, positional priority two, defensive tackle, defensive tackle, three tech, big guy, combination of the two, somehow, probably one draft, one free agency, something there, some new blood, mix it in with BJ Hill and, you know, whatever else you got there. And, and create waves, create depth, be more dynamic on the interior. Uh, next priority is wide receiver two, which is accomplished by tagging T. Higgins, which it appears what they're going to do or long-term deal, whatever. Mm-hmm. Next, for me, now, right tackle. What do you? How are you going to handle that? But slot receiver. Yeah. They drafted Charlie Jones. I don't know that they got what they wanted out of Charlie Jones this year. Now, there's some extenuating circumstances. He didn't get a ton of snaps. He was hampered by injury. But he wasn't quite, I think, what they thought he would be instinctually in the slot. He played a lot of outside in college. He's got speed. But I don't think they felt like he's also small. Like yeah. you come from TB, who is a physical tough dude in there, and you gotta be. And Burrow likes that. Don't forget that. What fits the quarterback? You know, guys that have awareness, that know how to get themselves open. Tanner Hudson made a living for himself here off having those traits that Burrow really values. Guys who Burrow will put it on you if he knows exactly where you're gonna be the same place every time. When you're not. You're Irv Smith. 
or you're Mike Thomas, the receiver. <laughs> okay. You're it's over. Like you got to prove that. And, and, and Charlie Jones hasn't had those reps. He'll have an opportunity, but that could be a sneaky position for them to be aggressive at. Maybe that's their receiver draft pick. Think, yeah. you know, if you could get the, this year's tank Dell in round three and have that be part of your answer. And you have Andre Yoshivash coming back. He's not a slot guy, but you can do things. I mean, Jamar could play the slot every day. Yeah. You want yeah. to, but he moves yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And you don't want, I don't, you don't want him to be your no. regular slot, but he's, he's got that ability. I think, you know, tank Dell's a good point. I, you're seeing teams finding some really nice receivers later in the draft. And you can find now, a slot guy later because that will be the knock on them. Right. Doesn't play outside or is missing something that you look for an outside guy, but could be a great immediate slot. That's why Tyler Boyd went where he went, which was at the end of the second round, because he was kind of viewed as just a slot guy. Well, that if that's what you need, you can wait a little longer and, and find a real impact player. But conversely, that was Charlie Jones. So <laughs> there's In the chance four. you get the yeah, that there's the chance you get the guy that Maybe isn't fitting. I I do think he's kind of a work in progress because he played all year with that labrum injury. It's just hard to know. I think it would have been nice to see more of him this year, especially kind of, you know, we had such a weird season where it looked like the wheels came off and then they came back on and they came back off again. So it's just, it's hard to evaluate what they've got in him, but you're right in the sense that he's different than Boyd. And it's a pretty big gamble if you're just going to go into the next season and say, well, he's your guy. I, I don't think he's done anything that you can just say he's our guy, whether you go get somebody else or draft somebody else. Or I don't know if Trenton Irwin can be moved. I don't know what his situation is, but you're definitely right that that's kind of a sneaky problem that's uh, out there that maybe isn't as glaring as the rest. Well, I mean, we know, again, the same part of the T. Higgins conversation. This is what makes this team go. Like, yeah. the the receivers. And and it's a little easier when you have T. and Jamar to, to not need to have a great slot. But, you know, they, they still, that's been, that's part of who they are. And so finding somebody there, and there, and that could be, I mean, that could be a free agent. I mean, again, the slot receiver conversation could be similar to the tight end conversation with free agency, where you can find a guy who's going to come here for less, mm-hmm. uh, who's talented because they're like, give me a one year, prove it playing with burrow. And then I'll cash in. So yeah. you could find that. And also this is a year of a very deep wide receiver draft. The last time we saw that was 2020. And, and you've seen some of these classes where the receivers or uh, there's been a couple of receiver classes that have forced the free agent market down where teams are not willing to pay the receivers. And all of a sudden you've got a bunch of dudes you expected to get multi-year big deals, taking one year prove it's for less because everybody's banking on getting somebody in the draft. Well, that looks like this type of a draft for receiver, which could be just as good as any that we've ever seen, uh, particularly at the top. So, Maybe that's how it happens. Maybe you find a value free agent there that you're getting for far less than than a Tyler Boyd, 
uh, and that's younger, that maybe gives you a little more speed or juice, but has all the things on tape that you that you want to see and is willing to come here and try to connect with Burrow to build him, build him up. And you draft somebody again and or wait for more development on Charlie Jones, whatever that is, and try to find a way to build it that way. But uh, a, a sneaky high priority for me is is getting that figured out. And I think it's a tricky one that to keep an eye on as they go forward. Um, after that, I kind of have safety as a wild card, you know, of could they, won't they talked about that a little bit last week with tracks. Um, hard to say if there's a, at a certain point, you probably have to hope that Dax Hills it, but you certainly could see them saying, I don't think he's it and and having to find other answers but I don't know with everything that we just talked about and all the priorities we just did how you're finding money to th- a, a place to throw money at safety you know it's <laughs> or or draft capital uh yeah. and so you kind of have to turn to Luana Rumo Robert Livingston and those guys and say Get it right. You are physically gifted, Dax Hill. Jordan Battle, you are on the come here. You you, you can be a guy. You guys got to figure it out, okay? Get in the lab, work it. I don't care if they're the only position group that has to actually fully participate in the offseason program because they (laughs) earned that. Yeah. But they need to be there, and they need to get it figured out, and they need to be confident next year and say that that's the answer because – paying for it or spending high draft picks on it doesn't feel real plausible without some serious creativity. Yeah. Well, you just, especially with Dax Hill, you can't have a first rounder just look like they're not the answer this quickly. And, you know, so far he looks like he might not be the answer, but as much as you're going to have to take your lumps with that. And one would and hope Anarumo, yeah, one would hope Anarumo could also scheme something to maybe cut down on the explosives, but if you're running the same dudes out there, the dudes have to be better. If we learned anything this year, Dave, it's that you can't scheme out explosives. (laughs) (laughs) Is that you can do whatever you want. If the guys can't do it, it doesn't matter. And so they've they've got to find a way to build those guys back up. And and that has to has to be an approach. But and maybe there's again, I say wild card. There's you never know. Maybe something falls in their lap that way. Um with a veteran safety you can come in and compete or be a third guy or maybe they feel like they see a jump from tyson anderson who is a really good special teams player i don't know um but it's it's something that's certainly on the mind after that tight end running back we're right back here again uh with that same conversation that needs to get worked out third down running back what happens with mixon um all of that kind of blends together they don't if there was a tight end meeting tomorrow, it would be James Casey in a room talking to himself. Everybody's <laughs> a free agent. Uh, and so they've got a – Drew Sample proved his value. He might have created a market for himself. Uh, they should, they're going to try to get him back, obviously. Tanner Hudson, I would assume they're going to want to get him back. Neither one of those guys are going to need to break the bank, but they're still going to need to be paid. Um, and then there's – you know, they. it's not that they didn't want a tight end last year in the draft and it was that none of the guys they liked lined up for them properly in their mind. And we can, we'll relitigate Laporta and Murphy in the years to come, but they, they had the premier edge rusher over the tight end. They liked 
It was close, but they had Miles Murphy ahead of him. So be it. Um, and they weren't necessarily sold on some of the other guys that were available in round two or in round three for any number of reasons. And so they go back down that road again. I think they're open to it. I don't think it's a thing where they're saying we're not going to take a tight end. It's that it has to line up. And you've just heard us peck down these needs here. It's hard to see that lining up at the top of the draft. Does Brock Bowers slip to 18 and does that even matter? I don't know, man. Like, it's hard to say that. And, you know, we've seen a lot of these uh, more cases again of second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth tight end selected end up having make a bigger impact than the top couple. It's just kind mm-hmm. of a, a way that we've seen that position go. So, and running back, again, they're open to it and they know they need to address it. Um, and I think it will be in some capacity with whatever happens with the mix and decision setting that off, whether it's free agency, man, I look at a guy like Zach Moss. Mm-hmm. Hey, there you go. Younger, yeah. not, hasn't had as much work, showed he can carry it. He's, he's can catch it. He, he hits all your advanced analytics numbers of yards over expectation and explosives. And he's a free agent. I look at somebody like that and say, there's a, you know, that that's a nice swap. Yeah. Well, an example I use from last year is DeAndre Swift. It's like Detroit didn't seem to have much use for him. Philadelphia gets him. He looks pretty good. And they got him at a fraction of the price of what Miles Sanders went off and got paid. So there's dudes out there. That is definitely a position that there's dudes out there that you can get at a value. Um, And Moss is a good example of it. And of course, I'll say it again. I still, I believed this for a long time. Clyde Edwards Hilaire will be here. I just, he's best friends with Joe Burrow. <laughs> yeah. They had the perfect combination at yeah. LSU. Like he loved the reliance on him there. He was a first round pick for a reason and got lost in the wash in Kansas City. Change of scenery candidate and somebody they can pluck from the Chiefs. They love doing that. They love the yeah. idea of that. I look at him as as CEH as a clearly a potential Samaj P. Ryan um, that they could bring in and see how that goes. I don't know totally how they feel about that. I mean, maybe they'd rather go another direction. Maybe if Jarek McKinnon shakes free or somebody else or whatever. But again, I still think now with Hilaire being an actual free agent um, and not somebody who's going to be the most sought after guy out there would seem a natural in the back of that room. And they would certainly have more hope for him over Chris Evans, who has obviously been, the decisions have been made on on guys like him and really trading which, to which in hindsight from a few weeks back you asked which guy would go into the transfer transfer portal and after <laughs> the fact yeah. i realized yeah it's chris evans that's yeah. a guy who should have gone into the transfer portal yes um <laughs> all right so that kind of takes us through now free agency uh the players available there's your priorities we kind of get a feel we'll dive more into that as we get into the mock offseason uh exercise and and get through you know some of the next the next month here and 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 we'll take a closer look at some of the candidates and directions they could go and all that's coming but that's sort of the general landscape draft they were going to be picking 18th uh recent history of sort of the 17 18 19 range if you want to just get a feel uh last year Christian Gonzalez corner 
Jack Campbell, linebacker to Detroit. Kalijah Kansi, who was a favorite of everybody, hoping that he would end up in the Bengals situation, uh, went eight, went 19 last year. Um, so that's a, that's a type of player you could find. Uh, in 2022, guard Zion Johnson, Traylon Burks receiver, Trevor Penning, you know, some of that next level of offensive linemen. Um, whether it's due to position of Zion Johnson being a guard or Penning not being one of the top tackles, but still available there. Uh, 21, Alex Leatherwood, which was a bust. Jalen Phillips, who's been great for Miami. Jameen Davis, linebacker. 2020, C.D. Lamb goes at 17. Now, that that's interesting. I mentioned that because that was the last time we saw a draft at wide receiver that could look like this, where you got all these real dudes at receiver entering this draft. There were yeah. eight eight receivers taken in the top 34 that year, including T. Higgins. Um, C.D. Lamb went at 17. Justin Jefferson went at 21. Brandon Ayuk went at 25. Think about that. And now, so what you're saying tempting. is the, Beng- the Bengals yeah. will get a guy the equivalent of C.D. Lamb. That's what Paul Vayner's saying. Justin, right don't go sign Justin Jefferson from <laughs> Minnesota. Just draft Justin Jefferson. Uh no, I again I, I think 18 ends up a trench pick for all the reasons that we just talked about. Yeah. Right, right tackle, defensive tackle, those guys being hard to find and, and big needs. But just note that as we talk about the year of the receiver, what you know, you didn't have Henry Ruggs, yikes, win at 12 Ooh. that year, but nobody the top receivers slid a little bit because there were so many. And teams were willing to wait a little bit. Um, and maybe this is that year. Maybe it's not. I mean, these dudes are real guys. Neighbors from LSU. And we saw a dude last night for Washington. I mean, there's, these guys are guys. So yeah. it maybe that maybe it's like the the Chase Waddle draft where they, they get picked regardless. But keep that in mind. Uh, it's just something when you start talking about what happens um, in that spot when we start getting into draft talk. And we'll, we'll get into that. Mobile is right around the corner. Um, we'll, we'll get into some snapshots of the draft class here for you too. But a lot of that depending on what happens in free agency, it never used to be that way, Dave, we didn't have to talk <laughs> about free agency, but now you do. and now you do. And now you even have to talk about some of the top guys. Cause you never know. Cause you never know. It could be a surprise move, uh, that happens. Bengals with 54 million in effective cap space. I mentioned this the other day. Um, which is a decent amount of coin, but if you subtract 21 immediately off a fully guaranteed one-year tag, um, you know, now you're down to 33, and then you take off the 12 to 15 that they already do anyway, just because that's the way they operate. Now you got 20 million. And now you can't even afford Meta BK. Yeah. So perhaps there's your answer. But <laughs> just saying there's they've found ways around these things in the past, and perhaps they could do it again. All right. That's the draft, and then we're in OTAs in the offseason program, which maybe they'll take a little more seriously this year. Maybe they won't. A conversation <laughs> for that point in time. Woo. These snapshots are hard. To, I, I I have found I, – I I do this episode every year, the, the first episode after the season ends. Now, granted, we kind of did it already a little bit last week, but this is the hardest episode all year because there's so much – you want to touch on that you yeah. want to talk about because it all affects everything and every, this is what they're doing. This is their next month is vacations and some of the coaches taking interviews and 
what's the path forward, right? Let's deep dive on this. Let's analyze. What do you want to do? Who do you want to let go? What do they need? What do they miss? And and this staff has been pretty good at that uh, in recent years. And But this is what's happening over the next month is, is the expansion of all of these topics that we are kind of blowing through right now. And I say blowing through. It's we're an hour and a half in, so apologies to everyone that's <laughs> hanging with us. But it's like the the Irishman of podcasts, right? Now. It is, it is. But you know what? We're <laughs> we're not going to be doing two podcasts a week going forward. We're showing yeah. it in a one. So this is all. Let's just get it all out there now. <laughs> Put it all out there on the table, and then and then we'll d- divide it up as we go forward. All right. Thanks to everybody for hanging around with us. Um, to recap, Growler bet. Uh, the answer for. Yards from scrimmage for rookies was 151. A uh, big day for Charlie Jones, Andre Yoshibash, who had two touchdown catches. Um, Chase Brown had yardage. So a big number. Not many of you, I don't think maybe one or two of you had more than 151. So big day for the rookies. No winners. Uh, did have some uh, submission. Of course, nobody had any media singing to me no 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 local media c-list celebrity montages (laughs) nothing so really really disappointing effort from all of you um after what we got um from brian ramstetter and from ray white the previous week maybe that was our high note you know it's like a good movie ever you know there's the movie plot line where it's like up down up all the way up and then the, the spring caught climax and it falls off at the end as the movie ends maybe week 18 for the growler bet folks is like for the players you know yeah. you sit a lot of starters it's it doesn't mean a lot so you know they're just shutting down a little bit early I, i'm gonna i'm gonna give them a pass on this all, all right that's fine that's nice of you but they better start strong next year you know, that's that's a real stepdad thing to do, Dave, is to just, uh, I'm not going to try to really play the parent role on this one. I'll leave that to you. All right. Um, that's fine. I'm not what here I do to motivate. Want, These kids have already been raised. What I do want is a, to start next year. I want like a We Are the World like song to you with all the Cincinnati media in it. So they each get a part. It'll go on for like 25 minutes. Please, 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 please. I how much I need this in my, maybe I might take it on myself to create it, honestly. <laughs> um, and, and the more obscure Cincinnati celebrity, I use that in, in air quotes, the better. Um, but shout out to Eric Sanjo, one of our favorites, core foundational growler bet member with his subject header, the damn it, Ram setter. Can we reset some expectations for growler submissions? <laughs> some of us have kids growler. Uh, it's true. Like, how do you live up to this? If you're one of these people that likes to submit and likes to drop a little, you know, drop a Wayne's World joke in, thinking it's great. Next thing you know, here's Jeremy Rao singing poems. <laughs> right? Stuff. <laughs> tough. tough on everybody. Um, yeah. Or, you know, see, this, this, this is a great submission from Matt Cheney. Yes, it's true. This man has no growler bet, which is great. You know, little Ghostbusters are one that I love. It's, it's it's playing playing to you know playing to your base. You know who you're who you're sending it to. It's a great line from a great movie. It's Bill Murray. I love it. But it you know it it, it pales into comparison because the expectations that have been set. Mm-hmm. And then Daniel Bayless though great because I love it when you play off the previous week's episode off <laughs> one of the great Jamar quotes of all time. 
I gave you a little growler. Don't take all of it. Give you a little spice. Yeah. Hey, buddy. Easy there, that's, buddy. I gave you a little that's spice. Strong. That's yeah, that strong. That was. Yeah, I appreciate Daniel for for that. Um. So that. Um. I just want to say thank you guys for engaging and being part of this ridiculousness <laughs> of the growler bet and the submissions and everything else. It just makes it so fun. I hope you enjoy it. It seems that you maybe you do. Um. We're we're still in the works of plotting the next live event uh, at Fifty West, but of course, um, you know there's there's going to be beer flowing and it's going to be a great time. And I always love seeing all of you guys in person when we do that. So keep an eye out for that going forward as we figure all of that out. Uh, on that note, Dave, do you have any playoff predictions? Well, on the record, do you have any 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 gut feelings? Any things that you want to put out there that you're, you're- we. We did before the season, we had the staff vote on their predictions. And I had Bill's Niners with Bill's winning it as my my Super Bowl. So I'm just gonna stick with that. That's nice. I yeah. like that. I like that. Um I wish I could go back to my pre- I know I obviously people remind me all the time I had the Bengals win the Super Bowl. <laughs> but um, so be it. Never again. No matter what. Mm-hmm. Never mm-hmm. again. Get ready for that. And I think Judging by your responses to me, everyone is begging me never again to do that. Don't don't make them go through that again. Um, I I've got this weekend. I'll run them down for you. I got Kansas City over Miami. Miami is just in a free fall, and now they got to go play in the cold. I don't I don't believe in Kansas City. I'm not buying Kansas City, uh, but no, uh, Miami's not not in this, their current state. I got Houston over Cleveland because I'm buying C.J. Stroud. Dave, Houston is giving me 21 Bengals vibes. I'm telling you. C.J. Stroud in his rookie year, big adjusted net yards per attempt. By the way, anybody that makes fun of me when I talk about adjusted net yards per attempt being the factor, top eight qualifying in adjusted net yards per attempt this year, quarterbacks, guess where they all are? Every one of them in the playoffs. It's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Have a powerful, efficient passing game. It's what gets you there. It's what matters. Okay. Now, granted, it's mostly because they're the only ones that survived a full season <laughs> and qualified. But that, you know, it's I just I'm just show it just telling you. CJ Stroud third in that stat. And I I think Houston's dangerous. dangerous. They are. And what gets lost in all the Stroud hype is their defense is really nice. Um and he does it. It doesn't matter what receivers. Not that Nico Collins is a bad receiver, but how many different receivers have had big days for him I this year? Just wish they had Tank Dell. Yeah, that's the that's thing. A, that's a nice. I think combo. that's the difference maker. Yeah, not having Nico and Tank yeah. with each other in the playoffs, I think, is inevitably their downfall. Yeah, but I think they have enough to beat Cleveland. So I haven't beaten Cleveland. I have Buffalo beating Pittsburgh. Then I in the divisional round. Buffalo over Kansas City. Who again? I just not believing in Kansas City this year. I think you saw that if you watched the Bengals against them. I have Baltimore over Houston in a freaking barn burner. I think Houston's going to give Baltimore everything they want and more. And Baltimore, given their history of the in Lamar's MVP year of not winning, having problems winning in the playoffs, and that's the one thing hanging over them. If Houston makes it interesting, it could get real tight at M&T Bank Stadium in a year they're hoping to win the win it all. That game could be scary. Houston 
and Baltimore. Same if Cleveland wins that, which is very obviously very possible. Um, and then I have Baltimore over Buffalo in this championship game. Uh, I got Rams over Detroit, in which the most fun game of the weekend, I think, by all accounts. Poor, I For Detroit's sake, I hope they win and, and they get that moment like Bengals fans had yeah. when they beat the Raiders because it's just it's special. It, players, you know, in, in exit meetings yesterday, Dave, talking about how, you know, they still will never forget the stadium that night. And I and I you know I feel that way too. I think fans remember that, and and I wish that for Detroit fans who have been through it, yeah. and and deserve it, um, and and Jared Goff who deserves it, being cast aside by the Rams and to be able to stick it to them and deliver a championship when Stafford never could when they traded to get Stafford over top of them. You got to love that crap right there. So that, uh, I'm here for Detroit, still, but I think the Rams win. <laughs> that city still loves Stafford too. So they it's do. like, uh, it's just such a great matchup. It's one yeah, of those. Fantastic. Everything fell perfectly. Yep. Uh, I got Tampa over Philly, who's just in a scary free fall. Dallas yeah. over Green Bay, although upset alert on that one. I, Jordan Love, the way he's playing. Uh, <sighs> Dallas, the way they always choke. I, I, I mean, Green Bay's defense stinks too much, but if they can just find a way to get a couple turnovers and take advantage of some some Dallas chokage, um, I think Jordan Love could do it. But that, I'm picking Dallas. I think Dallas wins, but I like Green Bay on the cover on that one. Um, I got San Francisco over the Rams, Dallas over Tampa Bay, San Francisco over Dallas. And then I think San Francisco flips the script in the Super Bowl. I have San Francisco beating Baltimore um, in in the championship. So that's that's my predictions on the record here today for you, Dave. Well done. You kind of yeah. went with chalk on that Super Bowl, though. Well, I think they're so far better than everyone. You're right. I think they'll get scared, but I just think this is the year that chalk makes sense. There's yeah. a lot of years where I'm not buying chalk that it feels wide open. I don't think it feels very wide open. I, it sure feels like this is the year Baltimore has put it together. I know you mentioned yeah. their their playoff woes, but man, they are just hitting on all cylinders. But I think their woes were because of the way they were built, not around the passing game. That's how you win yeah. in this yeah. time of year. you got to have that powerful, efficient passing game. And that's what they have because Todd Munkin has leaned into that yep. because that's Definitely. how you win. And that's why yep. so many AFC North teams haven't won besides the way the Bengals did in the postseason because they've all played this defense and run game crap that loses in January. Look at yep. what happens. That's why, again, these efficient passing games are the key to winning this time of year. Don't buy the it's cold, run it stuff. Um, all right. Uh, on that note, I think we've done enough. <laughs> uh, I I mean, I my voice, I'm losing my voice over the course of one episode. Uh, and so I don't know that I have any, any further that I can go with it other than for my Arby's to say one last thank you to everybody for going with it this year. I kind of mentioned this in the walkout, but like, it's been a tough year um, for us on the Bengals beat here uh, and keeping this podcast alive. Um, and it was really hard to do without Jay. And I'm, we miss Jay dearly every day uh, on, here. And, but we tried to keep it going and try to keep it fun. And you guys have been the reason that it's been that because you've stayed listening, you've stayed engaging, you've cared, and and um and and you've treated Dave like a quality stepdad with respect. <laughs> you they know, 
Yeah, no one called child services or no. tried to <laughs> swat me or anything. And I want to thank you, Dave, for stepping in. Even though you give yourself a hard time here and we put we yeah. juggle with the stepdad thing, you stepped in because without you, no, this is not this is not existing at all. I'm not I'm not talking to myself. No one wants to hear me talk to myself. Uh, every episode would sound like that one that sounded like I was having a stroke and people were concerned. <laughs> like, it, and without you here in giving up your time and and engaging and doing all this, we never would have had it. So thank you for doing this all year. It's and, been and fun. so I can keep this alive. I've I've enjoyed it, um, and you know it's it's brought new new juice and ways to it. So. But thank you, everybody, that's been with us this year. It's been fun. Uh, we're going to keep going, of course, into the offseason. But uh, the the cadence changes a little bit as we kind of get into more one per week with emergencies if necessary. Um, and if I, you know, when I come across things or we, we'll get into dive into certain topics, we're going to do that. Um, but, you know, we're, we're going to get more into that offseason uh, feel here. And, and I plan on taking a little bit of time off here. If Dave, if Dave, if Dave will let me, no, even no. just for a little bit, I know there's high expectations. Well, we have a whole. We're going to do it. I, we have a whole new system. I don't understand, so I probably can't okay it anyhow for you. So there you go. There's a little. <laughs> there's a little inside baseball for you. <laughs> Anybody that's worked in any office ever, when you have to switch over systems of yeah. like doing the office work, never goes well. But we're <laughs> no. working on it. We're working on it. So if I can ever uh, declare my PTO, I will take some. On that note, thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, Appreciate it. And uh, we will catch up with you next week. Have a good one, everybody.